Show my friend yeah. Welcome back to Hometown Homicide. Um, I had a bit of a palaver this week. I know I've been away for two weeks already, but um, I had a new mic that I bought, and you'll notice the sound quality is exactly the same because I'm back on my old microphone. Cause I had a hissy fit, and I couldn't, I couldn't get my new microphone to sound quite the way I wanted to just yet. So I need to play around with it a little bit more. But there is better sound quality coming. I promise, if I can get it to work. <laughs> I just wanted to thank you all as well for your patience while I've been on my time off. Um, I've just started a new job. I also just graduated from uni, so I've just had a lot going on right now that I've needed to like reply to emails, and I just wanted to make sure that I was still giving you good quality, well-researched episodes without forcing it and without trying to get it out too quickly that they're poorly done. Because I just think out of respect of the victims and you know, out of respect for you guys as my audience, I don't want to give you all them crap content that is badly done. So thank you guys for that. I will be back every week now. I'm not going to give a specific day just because I want to keep you on your toes. No, it's just because I don't want to, with this new job starting and I got like a whole new schedule I need to work out. I don't want to promise a day just yet because I don't want to curse myself and be freaking out and panicking. So it is going to be weekly, but it's just going to be weekly when I can do it. And you'll just have to wait and see for the surprise of when that hometown homicide episode uploads onto your feed. I'm back this week with some more Welsh true crime and it's a little bit different because the victim herself wasn't Welsh but she was living in Wales at the time of the crime so I thought it was fitting. I do want to cover um, Welsh victims in other countries and you know crimes that have happened to Welsh people that may not necessarily have happened in Wales specifically. This week, we're going to be taking a look at the life of poet Anne Clausiner, whose life was taken away by someone who was extremely close to her. Andre Clausiner was born on March the 15th, 1936, in Brussels, Belgium. She was the only child of artist John Clausiner and Sybil Fitzgerald Hewitt. John Clausiner actually comes from a really long line of artists, and his work, along with a few of his daughters, are on display in a museum in Brussels, I believe. They've got like a whole collection of the family in there, and Anne did paint as well. Obviously, the whole family was super creative, so there are some of her paintings on display there, along with the generations that came before her. The small family of three moved to Britain when Anne was just three years old, and Anne would later say that her father had anticipated the breakout of the Second World War, which is why they moved, and I know that they had some contacts in Britain through Sybil being of uh, Scottish descent, and also just through their family and things, they had contacts in England that they were able to move to Somerset. Later, when Anne was 14 years old, the family relocated to Ireland, and Anne gained an Irish citizenship in 1961. She had began writing at the age of seven, with the encouragement of her mother Sybil. Anne's poetry focused on the natural world and science. In a 2006 interview, Anne said of her poetry, quote, Poetry is my country. It is where I live. But this is not an escape. It is an adventure. A moving out into what lies, mysteriously, all around me. Hence my interest in science. Science is a form of exploration which I admire for its questions, its discoveries, and its sense of wonder. I see my writing as an exploration that takes, again and again, some new direction, 
but one which is also a development, unquote. Anne attended Trinity College Dublin, where she received the Vice-Chancellor Prize in Poetry and edited the student magazine. She left university with a double first in French and English literature. Anne had an extensive career in academia. She began lecturing at Manchester University and she went on to teach at Trinity College Dublin, King's College Aberdeen, University of Lancaster, Huddersfield Polytechnic and Birmingham University, just to name a few. According to a 2014 independent article, during her time at the University of Lancaster, Anne Clausiner, quote, introduced one of the first creative writing courses at university level anywhere in Britain, unquote. So I kind of have to thank her for that because, like I said in the intro, I have just graduated and that was from an English and creative writing degree that Anne made possible. So I do have a little bit of a connection to this case through that. Also, that's why I feel like it's so important to share her achievements, because I don't think her legacy should be how her life ended when she did so much for English literature, academia and linguistics and creative writing across universities. I think it's just really important to show who she was and why her tragic end was so awful for her to have gone through. It would have been awful for anyone, but to lose someone who was so creative and inspiring is just horrific to know that someone took that from them. Anne retired from full-time teaching in 1987 and she settled in Wales, but she continued to host writing workshops and teaching part-time in universities including Cardiff University. As well as an incredible academic career, Anne published multiple collections and was included in dozens of anthologies. She also co-founded the Usk Valley Vaughan Association, which explored the work of Henry and Thomas Vaughan. She established and edited a number of magazines throughout her life as well. In 1976, Anne married Walter Jackson, and although she did take his name through marriage, she wrote under the pen name of Anne Clausiner for the rest of her life. She spoke about her marriage in a 2006 interview saying, quote, Love has several times been of importance to me, but could not, until I met my husband, lead to marriage. I have now been married for over 30 years, and my marriage is of great importance to me. Walt and I live on a small holding, surrounded by animals, and live very simply from day to day, unquote. Through this marriage, Anne gained a stepson named Timothy. Anne had no children of her own, but her stepson lived with her and Walt from the ages of 9 to 19. By all accounts, Anne and Timothy had a very strained and tense relationship. I picked out a quote from a 2006 interview when she's asked why she hasn't written any poems specifically about motherhood because I thought it kind of showed the relationship that she had with Timothy, but I'll let the quote explain it for itself. Anne reflects on her writing in this 2006 interview saying, quote, Motherhood enters poems through my mother. I have not myself had children, but did experience being a dearly loved child, unquote. I just find it quite interesting that she doesn't mention her stepson here, who would have been in her life for over 20 years at this point. And I think maybe that kind of just shows their relationship wasn't very good, because she obviously didn't feel like their relationship inspired any kind of poetry from her. And the only connection to motherhood that she ever made in her poetry was through her own mother and her own childhood, rather than this relationship that she had with her stepson. It was reported that Timothy felt like a failure because he didn't perform particularly well at school. He also felt like a disappointment in comparison to his accomplished stepmother, who he grew to resent because of these feelings towards her. Timothy became a carpenter and moved to Sheffield, but he would often visit his father and Anne at their home in Usk, Monmouthshire. He was known to have a fiery temper, which was made worse by alcohol. In a 2015 Guardian article, Walter Jackson said that his son Timothy was, quote, 
a bully who drank like a fish and became a wild animal, unquote. Anne and Timothy argued frequently, with Timothy often shouting at his stepmother. On Saturday the 1st of November 2014, Anne sent an email to a friend saying that her stepson had made, quote, an appalling verbal attack and was threatened to become physical, unquote. Although this was not out of the ordinary for them to be at odds, this time Timothy would follow through on his threats. Later that day, on November the 1st, another argument began between Anne and Timothy. He was visiting his father and his stepmother at their home on Little Wentworth Farm, which they had shared for over 25 years. This Saturday was actually the day after Anne and Walter's 39th wedding anniversary, but there were to be no more celebrations that day. As things got more heated between Anne and Timothy, Timothy had suddenly reached for a kitchen knife on the sideboard about five feet away from him. He stabbed his 78-year-old stepmother five times in the neck, shoulder and back. It was also reported that he had stamped on her head. After the attack, Timothy rang 999 and said, quote, I've just murdered someone, my stepmother. She tormented and taunted me. I just did it and stabbed her. She told me I wasn't a good man and as a child wasn't good enough, unquote. Emergency services discovered the body of Anne Clausener in her living room and 49-year-old Timothy Jackson was arrested for her murder. Initially, Jackson pled not guilty in his hearing on January the 19th, 2015. According to the Abergavenny Chronicle, court was then adjourned until March the 26th. Judge Neil Bidder postponed the sentencing in order for the defence to submit a medical report as well as, quote, written submissions of the schedule of aggravated mitigation factors. I did look into this a little bit because obviously I'm not an expert in law. According to the GovUK website, quote, an aggravating circumstance is something that makes a crime more serious, such as burgling someone's house while they are asleep in bed. A mitigating circumstance is something that may reduce your sentence, such as having problems in your personal life that have affected your behaviour, unquote. So I think that this basically just means, from my understanding of it, not an expert's understanding, that because of the relationship between Timothy and Anne, obviously that would become a mitigating circumstance, from what I can see, because that does have a reflection on their personal life, and this would have been one of the driving forces behind the murder, was their relationship. So this would obviously be taken into account. Aggravated and mitigating circumstances are taken into account when you are sentenced, according to the GovUK website. So therefore, they needed to present, like the defence needed to present, that there was mitigating circumstances that affected Timothy's behaviour. And I don't know about the aggravating circumstances here. I don't know if maybe because it was in her own home and it was with, you know, her own kitchen knife that maybe that would make it seem more sinister. As far as I can tell, this is kind of what the judge is getting at, that they need to present these factors in order for the sentencing to be properly handled. Jackson then admitted to the murder in Cardiff Crown Court on March 26, 2015. Judge Neil Bidder said, quote, Your father and stepmother supported you both materially and emotionally, but you appear to have developed an irrational hatred of her and the murder was particularly brutal, unquote. Timothy Jackson was sentenced to life imprisonment with a minimum term of 19 years. The minimum term in the UK, I'm not sure if it's the same in other countries, but here we have a minimum term that you have to serve before you can get parole. So Timothy Jackson would have to serve at least 19 years in prison before he was eligible to apply for parole. That doesn't mean he would get out after 19 years, it just means he could apply for parole and be considered for it after 19 years. Later that year in October, Jackson appeared again in court to appeal his minimum term. The three judges presiding over the appeal agreed that the minimum term was, quote, 
not a fair reflection of the competing, aggravating and mitigating factors and was manifestly excessive. One source does point to the fact that Jackson was apparently remorseful for his actions, so this would be a mitigating factor, I believe, so because he was remorseful and because there was a difficult relationship between them, his sentence should reflect that and should reflect all the history that led up to the murder. As a result of this appeal being granted, Jackson's minimum term was lowered to 16 years and 8 months instead of 19 years. Following her murder, Anne's friends and family paid heartfelt tributes to her. One memorial post, the full version of which is going to be linked on the sources page of my website, that'll be in the description box below if you do want to check that out. This memorial post said, quote, Anne was a person of great calm, human sympathy and good humour. She found her poetic inspiration in the natural world, particularly horses, as well as the spirituality of everyday lives. She will be much missed, unquote. In 2015, a memorial plaque for Anne was placed in the Owen Glyndwr field in Usk. It reads, quote, In memory of Anne Clausiner, 1936-2014, Inspirational poet. She is free of nothing but a past, a future held by gravity, and the pull of distant stars, unquote. I just wanted to end this on an excerpt of Anne's poetry because she was such an incredibly talented poet. I found this poem on the Seren Books blog. Seren is an independent Welsh book publisher that is in Bridgend in Wales and they do have copies of this particular collection of Anne's for sale on their website. This collection focuses on the work of Alfred Russell Wallace who was a scientist that was credited as the co-founder of the theory of natural selection and evolution alongside Charles Darwin. The poem reads... In a butterfly farm near Kew, clear wings hatched under glass, make eggs filled with memories. Immobile, their wings are windows to leaves, paths and placards. In flight, two separate petals float, purple, pink, disrupting the see-through wandering wingbeat. You can also find features of Anne's poetry, so the actual blog post I just read from is linked directly in the description. There's also a 2014 Guardian feature where they published two of Anne's poems on the Guardian website. And like I said, if you want, she has herself published countless collections that you can purchase on Amazon, Seren Books. I haven't checked Waterstones, but there may be a few on there as well. She was a widely celebrated poet and it was just so sad to see her life taken by someone who was so close to her and saw all the achievements that she had and was essentially jealous or belittled by these achievements, so much so that eventually it bubbled over into a murder and I just think that shouldn't be her legacy. It really shouldn't. Thank you guys. Thank you guys so much for listening. Dielchen Vaur, as they say in Welsh. I'm learning. I say that. I've known that since I was like four, but you know. <laughs> As I said in the episode, this case meant a lot to me because I do have a background in poetry. I actually started writing at the age of seven, just like Anne Clausiner did, and I felt quite a connection to her because of this. I just wanted to show her life and not just her grisly end. I just hope that you do read some of her poetry and you don't just see her as a murder victim or a true crime story. You do see her as the person, the poet, the wonderful writer that she really was and not just Timothy Jackson's victim. As always, the sources will be on the Hometown Homicide website, which will be linked in the show notes. It just got too messy down there for me to keep, like, putting these really, really long links in there. I just, it was just, no, I couldn't cope with it. (laughs) 
So it is on the website. There's a different blog for every single episode, along with pictures, photographs of victims, of perpetrators, and of anything else pertaining to the case. If you want to follow me on Twitter to keep up with when those episodes are actually going to be released, (laughs) and everything else I share on there from stupid gifts and memes to profound nothingness, (laughs) you can find me at h underscore h podcast. I'm also on Instagram at Hometown Homicide Pod and there is a Facebook page which is Hometown Homicide Podcast. If you want to email me any case suggestions, feedback or just anything you want, just please be nice. I have a fragile ego. You can do that. My email address is hometownhomicidepod at gmail.com. I've written it all down. Like I said before, I wrote it all down, but this time it is written down. Like, I lost that piece of paper because I'm terrible. So this time it is written down right here in front of me and I can read it to you properly. So I will be back next week with another episode and the week after and the week after that. I'm not going to curse myself by saying a day, like I said, I will get a regular upload schedule as soon as my life schedule is regular, but it will probably be early sometime next week and I can guarantee you future Jolene is cursing me for saying that already. I just want to keep you guys on your toes. (laughs) But yeah, thank you guys for listening. I'll see you next week. Until then, stay safe out there.